0: Fun fact for you guys, 65,000 coaches turned to Get the Pancake in 2019 for advice, volleyball drills, and coaching resources. That's like a lot of coaches. Whether they were looking for free stat sheet downloads, goal-setting worksheets to use with their team, or just a fun warm-up to start practice with, I'm proud to say Get the Pancake Delivered. In this past year, we've added tons of valuable information to GetThePancake.com. New digital downloads, free handouts, and of course, more drills and tips. There's a lot planned for 2020, and I don't want you to miss it. If you want to continue growing as a coach, sign up for the Get The Pancake newsletter by going to GetThePancake.com. There's a sign-up link at the top of the homepage. You can't miss it. Come and join our thriving community and let me help you have your best season yet. Hi, coaches. This is Whitney from Get the Pancake, a podcast for volleyball coaches. Frustrated parents equals headaches for volleyball coaches. But based on feedback from parents who follow Get the Pancake on Instagram, a lot of these headaches are avoidable. In my Instagram stories this past week, I asked the simple question, parents, why do you get frustrated with your child's coach? And I'm just gonna be honest with you, I wasn't surprised by really any of the answers, which is good news and bad news. The good news is, they're all pretty easy to solve on the coach's side. The bad news is, is that we're all still guilty of these things. Now, nearly every coach I know, myself included, has had a situation come up with a parent or even an entire family that resulted in hurt feelings, players leaving clubs, quitting school teams, plenty of mean emails or rude text messages, and even heated arguments Yes, like in real life, in person, someone getting mad and yelling at you. So after reviewing the parent submissions or the answers to this question, it seems like there are four areas that coaches can work on to improve this relationship because let's face it, how many parents out there are going to sit down and say, hmm, it seems like I don't understand the game. Maybe I should do some research and learn more before I get upset. (laughs) It's just, it's not going to happen. Okay, so stop dreaming. And if you do have those parents, then you are a lucky duck and you're not going to have any issues with them. So this episode is all about learning how to fix those issues with parents. So we'll talk a lot about solutions to specific frustrations that parents shared, but most of these negative interactions could be addressed with just a little teeny tiny bit of effort on the coach's end. But the best news that I have for you is that if you address these four areas, then you are on your way to happier parents and a lot less drama. Drama is interesting on TV, not so much in real life. Okay, the first area that we need to improve on, well, let me just read the most popular response that I got. Multiple parents said this, and I quote, lack of communication. You knew that was coming. Communication is so broad, but it's so easy to fix coaches. If we just take maybe five to 10 extra minutes either to send out emails, send out a text message, that alleviates so many headaches later on. Now, while lack of communication was the most popular answer, it's not like you go and just send one email and then it's out of the way. You've taken care of it. Communication is something that you need to work on throughout your season. When I wrote my book, this was something that I really tried to emphasize because it does make a huge impact. You're going to see that although it wasn't the direct complaint, it does spill over into the other answers that parents shared. I think it can be broken down into two different time frames. One is before your season even starts, and then the other one is during the season. So there are different kinds of communication that we need to have with parents and players. And we're going to talk more in depth about that as we work through the other submissions that parents sent in. Communication could be either expectations of parents and players. It could also be about just information, sharing information about when a tournament is coming up where parents need to park, when they need to get there, when they're allowed to leave, if they need to order anything extra for the season, what is it that they need to order? This is all basic information and I get it. Sharing this information can sometimes be really, really difficult for you as the coach because a lot of the time you are not in control of the situation. So parents, if you're thinking... Man, the coach never sends us tournament information. We don't ever know where we're going to be until the night before. That might be the coach's fault for not sharing that information. But a lot of the times, tournament directors do not send that information out until maybe even the night before. Sometimes it's on Thursday evening and the tournament's on Saturday. Maybe we have practice Thursday night and we don't get home until Nine, ten o'clock at night, and then we've got to send out that information. I get how that looks. Trust me, that looks like we're being lazy. It looks like the coach is being lazy and not sending out that information. But a lot of the times with tournaments, especially during club season, people are dropping out last minute or maybe someone dropped out, but now another team is trying to get into that spot. And so now the, now the schedule is changing or maybe there's bad weather. And so maybe there's a delay and they're not going to know until the morning of if the tournament's even going to happen. So coaches, since you can't do anything about that, just be upfront with the parents. Let them know. Tournament directors don't always send out this information when you would like it, and that's mostly because things change. They want the information to be final and accurate, and that's why there's that delay. So just be upfront with parents and players. Let them know that you'll Forward that email as soon as you can, but it doesn't always come in when you want it or when you need it When parents are making plans for the weekend. I think that's probably one of the biggest issues about communication is Tournament information, but I mean there are a lot of other things too. We'll we'll get into that Let's go ahead and move on. So let me just read these couple of submissions from parents This first one is they have favorites even though all girls work hard. Coach only yells at setters and ignores all other fails, which I thought was a little harsh to call them fails, but (laughs) that's besides the point. Another one was a lineup is working well with great chemistry, then he subs and the mojo leaves. So, what's the main theme here? I think this all comes down to education. Now, I'm not super familiar with how coaching is in other sports, but I'm just thinking in sports like football and basketball and even soccer. Coaches probably have very different issues with parents because a lot of parents will understand how football works or how basketball works. Volleyball? Not so much unless you played volleyball yourself. It's a pretty confusing sport for parents and I know that because I've had to explain some pretty basic things even to parents who are watching their high school varsity daughter and they just, they don't get it. They show up, they cheer, they're a good fan, but they have no clue what's going on. I'm not saying that's the case for all of these parents who submitted these responses, but let's kind of take a magnifying glass to these and break them all down and talk about what some possible solutions are. The first answer that I read, which was, they have favorites even though all girls work hard. There are a couple of ways to sort of attack this response. So I had a good conversation with another coach through Instagram the other day. It was just a quick conversation, but we talked about how another coach that they work with in in a different sport tells everyone in the beginning of the season, look, I do have favorites and it's the ones who show up and work hard. And (laughs) I think this is a longer discussion for another day. So I'm going to summarize my thoughts on it. But do coaches have favorites? Coaches have players that they can rely on. Coaches have players that they know can go in and get the job done. Coaches have players that listen and follow directions. Coaches also have players who don't listen who goof off, who don't put in effort, and there are also players that just don't gel with other players on the team. We try to avoid that when we make our team, but sometimes there's just someone that, if you put them in, things just don't work. Now, putting in players based on the effort that they put into practice is one thing but just because someone is coming in and trying their hardest it doesn't mean that they're going to get more playing time if their skill level is high and they're putting in effort you bet you're most likely going to be on the court as much as possible but if your skill level is low Even if you come in and work hard, that doesn't guarantee that you're going to be on the court. I spoke about this a lot in last week's episode, talking about having a playing time philosophy. So if you don't know what your playing time philosophy is, go and listen to that episode. I'll include a link. But knowing your playing time philosophy is one thing. You also need to communicate that with parents. This is one of those things that you want to be clear about before the season gets started and remind people as the season goes on. Because... Parents might agree to equal playing time, for example, in the beginning of the season, but then when their daughter's sitting out for half of the game midway through the season, they might throw a fit. They forget that you were upfront about that because it's easier to agree to future sacrifices when you're not facing it immediately and if you don't tell parents or players what to expect as far as playing time goes then that can be a tough situation too so remember communication kind of ties into all of these solutions But education comes into play here too, because I don't personally think you want to tell players and parents that, yes, I have favorites and those are going to be the people that work hard, but kind of outline what is going to cause people to get more or less playing time. And that's where education comes in. Just to reread this, it says they have favorites, even though all girls work hard. This sort of uh, mentality is good for younger ages. If this daughter is younger or is at a playing on a beginner team, I understand that complaint because that's usually when equal playing time is more expected. If you're on my team and it's an older team or more experienced team, hard work doesn't necessarily equal playing time. If you're good and not working hard, then you're probably gonna sit out too, but just because you're coming in and trying your best doesn't guarantee playing time. Okay, moving on to the next one. Coach only yells at setters and ignores other fails. I'm sorry, I have to laugh at that. I'm assuming this is from a parent of a setter. And I think education plays a big role in solving this parent complaint because parents need to understand that setters do play a really big role in the success of a team. And I know people go back and forth on whether they agree with this or not, but. I try to simplify things for non-volleyball parents by saying that setters are like the quarterback of the team because they're the one making the decision on who's getting set, what the tempo is, trying to make the pass better. There's a lot of pressure on setters. And even though I don't necessarily know the exact situation that this parent is in because they do say coach only yells at the setters, yelling and being negative I don't think is going to get you anywhere. I think that ignoring fails or trying to move on from them and pointing out what we're doing well, that is going to work a lot better, you know, positive reinforcement type stuff. But if you are communicating with your setter about what they need to improve, in my mind, that makes sense, especially if that's kind of where things are falling apart. That's why I recommend putting in some of your most skilled athletes, your most athletic players. I like them being at setter and I like them being at libero. Now let's address that ignores other fails. Maybe this parent just doesn't understand volleyball. Let's just give an example. Maybe the libero shanks the ball or your DS shanks a ball, but really the reason that They shanked the ball was because the blocker wasn't getting into their spot or maybe it was just a really good attack by the other team and it's just kind of like well what can you do that was a good attack or hey blocker get over there and it looks like we're ignoring the fail of the ds because well we as the coach know that it wasn't actually their fault and we're actually we're pretty proud of them for even getting a touch on it and like i was saying when we were addressing whether coaches have favorites or not maybe in this situation the setter is just not listening to the coach and not doing what the coach is asking it's not necessarily that they don't want to but maybe we as coaches haven't spent enough time with this player on something but you need a setter who is mentally strong because they do get a lot of negative feedback and they don't often get recognized for the things that they do well so you do need a mentally tough player in that setter role to better educate your parents about what goes on with the different roles, if you sign up for the Get the Pancake newsletter through the homepage, just go to getthepancake.com, you can get a free printout that you can give to parents. I like to do this in the beginning of the season. But you can really send it out at any time just for education purposes. And it just talks about what is an outside hitter. Who is a middle blocker? What kind of playing time can a right side hitter expect? When do they get subbed out? You could also make your own, of course, and tailor it to your team specifically. But if you want something easy or want something to guide your own printout, just sign up for the newsletter. It gets emailed to you right away and you can print it out, use it however you want, copy it, whatever. I don't care. But education in this situation about what the different roles are on a team and why someone is getting more feedback than others. I think that's important. Okay, the last response where I think education is the most important is a lineup is working well with great chemistry and he subs and the mojo leaves. Again, not all parents understand how rotations work, how playing time works. Some interesting comments on Instagram when I shared Last week's podcast episode was that there's no such thing as equal playing time, and that's true because you are not ever in control of, like in basketball, you get to play a certain amount of minutes, let's say, but in volleyball, you only get to play three rotations, front row, back row, maybe there's 20 points that happen in that time frame, or maybe there's only four points that happen in that time frame. So technically, it's equal playing time, but at the same time, it's not. So, relating that to this question, when a lineup is working well with great chemistry and then he subs and the mojo leaves, I think there could be two reasons why this happens. One, maybe it's a playing time thing. Maybe you want more equal playing time for your players and you realize, you know, if the mojo is happening and you're kicking somebody's behind, maybe you want to get those less skilled players in or those players who don't get a lot of playing time, you want to get them on the court. So, yes. The mojo leaves when your best players come off, but you're giving other players a chance to get on the court. It might not be as pretty a volleyball, but you're getting other players in, which could be important to you. Another thing is that maybe just your top middle blocker who's been running the net, maybe it's her time to rotate into back row. And that's as simple as that and some parents think what why is my daughter coming out or why are they taking melinda out she was killing it Well, oh, now she's in back row <laughs> so and i've actually heard this from parents at the high school level getting mad about people being subbed out even though it wasn't their child so some parents think like oh well rebecca is so good why does the coach take her out They don't understand how front row and back row works. So again, sending out that position description that I mentioned earlier, I think that helps. And talking about how rotations work, having parent get together is when parents can ask questions freely because a parent might even say that to their player. They might say, hey, why does Rebecca come out? And a player might know, but just not take the time to explain it to their parent, like a a player might just say, oh, well, she was in back row. And that means nothing to a parent who doesn't understand volleyball. So this is a frustration. I get it. You want the team to go out and have that mojo and be playing at a high level. But depending on what the values are of the coach, what the goals are of the program, and just how volleyball works, those could all be impacting why someone gets subbed when you're doing really well. So So far, we've addressed the need for greater communication and education of the parents. So those things, it's kind of easy to push off as, oh, well, it's not totally my fault, like maybe communication. Oh, well, someone else isn't getting me the information, so I can't send it out. Or parents just don't understand. Okay, coaches, now it's your turn to kind of reflect and think, oh, maybe maybe it is my fault. So these next two responses are when they promise to help them work on something and they never do. Ooh, that one stings, doesn't it? And then when practice is mandatory, but kids don't show up regularly and still get to play. (sighs) All right. I'm going to categorize this under follow through. So coaches, do what you say you're going to do or just say no. So addressing that first parent, uh, saying when they promise to help them work on something and they never do, you've probably got a disappointed player or two on your team who wants to get better at hitting from the right side or who wants to work on becoming a better passer. And you keep saying, oh yeah, I'll help you. I'll help you. Um, just stay after practice and or come in a little bit early but things never really work out, or you forget, or you don't have time, or you don't even really set up a time to do it. You just say, oh, yeah, 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 we'll work on it. Don't worry. That kid is probably going home disappointed that you're not giving them that time to work on those skills. And that, I mean, let's just be honest, that's on you. If you're going to promise that to your players that you need to work on something, then you got to do it. And you got to make sure to set aside time. So if someone says like, oh, will you help me more with this? Just Say, yeah, come up and talk to me at the end of practice and remind me or something like that if you want to promise these things. Or you can say, Kate, I don't have time this week to work with you on it. I'll try and work it into practice, but I'm not sure I'll be able to do that. Maybe it's something very specific. Just ask that they keep following up with you so that you don't forget about it. Or maybe a player like wants to work on plays and the team is nowhere near ready to work on plays. Just tell them, just be honest, we're not ready to do that. So avoid overpromising because even though we have good intentions, in the end, we end up hurting our players because we're letting them down, parents get disappointed in us, and then we feel guilty because we know that. So don't over-promise. To the parent that says when practice is mandatory but kids don't show up regularly and still get to play, you know, without knowing any background information, just surface level that's not appropriate. So coaches, if you are going to require something such as mandatory practices, make sure that it's in writing, number one. And then on top of that, you have to have clear consequences. Those also need to be written down, not just written down, but enforced. So you can't say practice is mandatory and then have no consequences or anything like that. why is practice mandatory then? Okay, sure, you say it's mandatory, but if someone's not showing up to practice and then they still get playing time, what the heck is that, right? (laughs) So this is beginning of the season stuff. Communication, if you're going to say that practice is mandatory, also have a consequence such as if a practice is missed the week of a tournament, playing time will be reduced or something. And I mean, Honestly, that makes sense because if someone's not coming into practice, they don't know what you're practicing and working on and that's going to impact your team when it comes time to show up to the tournament and play. And it's not fair to those parents who are getting off of work early on Wednesday nights so that they can drop their child off or the parents who are having their friends drive their other children to practice, and they're doing all this coordination and making sure that they get their kids to practice because it's mandatory, and then other people aren't making those same sacrifices. That's not fair. If you have exceptions, maybe maybe you practice on Sundays, for example, and you want to give people the exception that if they can't make those practices, then that's fine, or a big issue during club volleyball is always basketball, track, tennis, other sports always seem to get in the way. So you just need to have a clear policy about how that is going to impact playing time. A lot of clubs will say that school sports come first, and a lot of clubs will also say that club volleyball comes first. So you just need to be clear about it, communicate that with everyone, have it in writing so that when parents get mad about it at home, they can open up the player and parent handbook and they get the answers but you just need to make sure that you follow through because saying something's mandatory and then having zero consequences that is not going to work out well for you (laughs) and you will probably be getting those mean emails so just be ready for that if you don't have any clear consequences okay so we've already covered communication education follow through the last area that we as coaches need to improve on is how we conduct ourselves. A lot of these could also be communication issues or education issues, but I think at the end of the day, they, they come down to how you conduct yourself. And one of the things that I love about running Get the Pancake is that I get to hear from coaches, parents, players, unfiltered complaints. And so things that people might not say to you as a coach, I get to share that with you. And let's have an honest conversation about it coach to coach, all right? So the first response that I got that I think fits this area is demanding that we don't go on family vacation. okay, that one makes me a little bit uncomfortable because let's look at it from the family side. I was thinking about this one a lot because I just think about how busy my family was growing up and we didn't get to do vacation very often I don't think how often you go on vacation really matters. But when we did, you know, what fun memories, right? Going out to the beach, that was one of my favorite family vacations that we would do. Or going camping, and we wouldn't get to do those unless it was like spring break or some sort of a four-day weekend or something. And with me playing sports, my younger brother playing sports, there weren't a lot of free weekends. And so my family was awesome. They planned around those things my mom and dad both worked full time. And so the opportunity for vacation for those great memories didn't come up very often. When it did, it was awesome. But now, of course, this depends on the level of play and there's a lot of other factors. And there's a reason I coach the level and age that I coach. But in my mind, my according to my values, telling a family that they can't go on vacation when I know maybe mom travels a lot for work or dad travels a lot for work and Honestly, they don't get to see their kids even as much as I see them telling them that they don't get to go on a family vacation because we have a tournament coming up. I'm uncomfortable with that. (laughs) I think, again, coming up with clear expectations in the beginning of the season, communication needs to be there. So if you are coaching a team where family vacation is discouraged because of volleyball tournaments, and that's fine. That works for some coaches, not for me. But if you're on a higher level team and you're traveling to those big tournaments, those really only happen on three day weekends and that's when a lot of parents wanna go on vacation. So have that communication before tryouts if that kind of commitment is going to be required. Parents need to be informed of that. I know when you're having tryouts in July or October, things like spring break and even winter break aren't always on the top of your mind but players and their families need to know about that because if they are taking a big spring break trip this year, just like they do every year, they need to know that, well, we've got a huge spring break tournament that we go to. If you're not going to be there, this probably isn't a good fit. It sounds weird coming out of my mouth because I would never say anything like that. (laughs) Um, But again, I know that that's true for some Levels for some programs, and you can be a high level program and still give families flexibility. So, just be upfront about expectations. Earlier, I mentioned a player parent handbook, have that in place where you talk about expectations, have a parent meeting where you talk about what is going to be coming up, do that before tryouts. So, if someone isn't interested in doing that, then they don't even try out for your team. We want to avoid that conflict. Another response that I think comes down to coaching conduct is that coaches only play their favorites and friends and not based on skill at all. This could easily be interchanged with the previous comment about having favorites, but I put this in this section specifically because it says and not based on skill at all. While I like to assume that every coach out there is making decisions on playing time based on things like effort and skill level, if you are playing people just because they are your favorites or, or something other than merit, I don't think that that's true for most Get the Pancake coaches, but it could be true for some. So if that's you, and even if you're saying, oh, that's not me, that's not me, just take a second and think about how you're determining playing time and think, is this me? I think we all always need to take a step back and kind of assess ourselves and what we're, what decisions we're making. So just take a second and think about it. Again, I'm going to encourage you to listen to that playing time philosophy episode, which was last week, number 34. But if you realize that you are just playing maybe your daughter and her friends and not so much other people who are new to the team or in saying like, oh, well, they just don't get along. Just reassess, try and come at it from a different angle and make sure that you're putting the players out there either who deserve to be if that's how you're doing playing time or mixing it up a little and doing more equal playing time if that's the route you want to take. This could also come down to education and making sure that parents know skill isn't everything. I do have a video. It's called the seven ways that a coach determines playing time. I think it's on it's definitely on YouTube. I'm not sure if I put it here on the podcast, but I will link to it I encourage you to share that with parents because parents don't always understand how playing time is determined and they think it's just like oh well this person's better than this person so they should be playing and we know there's a lot more to it than that so educate and communicate another response they don't give a chance and they pigeonhole players this could also be in communication this all everything I mean all of these depend on the situation right so Maybe you coach an older team and you've got your position that you're playing and that's that. But if you're coaching a younger team, maybe you want to give players chances to play in different positions. I know at the 14 and under level, I always try and strike a good balance between pigeonholing um, and then letting players have other options. So I don't know if it's the most effective way to go out and win matches necessarily, but I do... Maybe in the last third of my season, if someone has been saying, you know, coach, I really want to try middle, coach, I really want to hit, I've been setting all season, I want to try hitting, I try and mix it up and give them that opportunity. It's not always possible, sometimes with the example of setter or libero, sometimes that person needs to stay there for the good of everybody, (laughs) and that's not always a bad thing that gives players a chance to specialize and get better in that position. But if you can mix it up, if you have younger players, I encourage you to do so. Again, this comes down to educating and communicating with parents. I have a tool that I'm gonna talk about at the end of this episode to help you with that. But We've got two more responses that I wanna share, and then we'll wrap things up. Another thing about coaching conduct is yelling during games about skills that you haven't taught during practice wow, am I guilty of this one? Why is that? Um, It's because I've been coaching for so long. I honestly forget sometimes that my players just don't know something because I haven't taught them. When you're coaching your first or your second, even your third team, you have a good idea of, oh, we covered this. Let's talk about it during a match. Or, oh, we haven't covered that. That's okay. But when you get into your eighth, ninth season, Everything kind of mixes together and you start yelling things like, why didn't you close that block? And then your middle blocker looks at you just like a deer in the headlights, like, what the heck are you even saying to me? Or you're yelling at players to hit a back row attack and they're like, what are you talking about? I don't even know what that is. (laughs) So coaches, this isn't necessarily that we're being bad coaches by doing this, but we need to keep better track of what we teach our teams and make sure that we're not yelling about things that they don't understand. Also opening up communication with our players so that I have pretty frank discussions with my players and I allow them not to question me, but I say, I make it very clear. If I say something that you don't understand, tell me because I need you to understand it. Or if I'm not making sense, ask and I will explain because again, I need them to understand the things that I'm saying. So if I say, Logan, close the block, it's perfectly within her right, again, this is just how I treat my players, for her to say, coach, what does that mean? I don't think that's anything controversial there, but that's a, a giant uh, alarm going off in my head like, oh, hey, uh, coach, <laughs> you need to talk about that with your team before you start getting mad at them in matches for not doing it. And so that's a little note that goes on my stat sheet, teach closing the block. And then we cover it the following week. So open up that communication path with your players. Make sure that they are not afraid to ask questions. That's going to lead to better understanding down the road. Set your ego aside and just keep track of what you teach your team. I know it's hard, but do your best. The last submission actually comes from a player, but I thought it was important to share. It said, my mom has said this many times. The coach doesn't pump you up for pregame. Now, maybe this isn't something that a parent would be so upset about that they're actually going to yell at a coach for, but it does show that parents can have certain expectations of coaches. And this is all probably being talked about between the parent and the player behind your back and you have no clue that it's going on. That happens a lot. Just FYI, there's a lot of things said behind your back and that's just something you have to be comfortable with. But I say that. Because I think there are a lot of expectations that parents and players have of you as the coach. And again, opening up that line of communication so that your players, so that your parents are okay talking to you about this. So I put this under coaching conduct because maybe you're strolling in late to tournaments. I don't know the situation, but maybe you're strolling in late to tournaments and you don't have time to get your team pumped up. or. You don't know that it's important for your team to get into a certain mindset before a match. So I'm going to end it with that. Just know that while coaching conduct is obviously super important, follow through and education, these are critical to having a good season. But that communication piece, I think, is the heart of everything. And that's why I want to share the team questionnaire packet with you because it does open up those communication lines with your players if you have no clue what i'm talking about i'm gonna have a link you can go and check it out this is one of my good friends she is a coach at a pretty large club um, in minnesota she came up with this she uses this with her teams i told her i had to have it because there would be so many coaches who would benefit from using this packet it's been pretty popular so far so i think a lot of coaches are out there benefiting from you know asking players What's going well? What could I do better? Again, setting aside your ego and being open to constructive feedback. I think it's important to realize that perception is reality. So coaches, even if you think like, oh, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. It's the players that have a problem or the parents that have a problem. Or let's say parents are accusing you of playing favorites, but you think, well, I'm not playing favorites, so that's not an issue. Perception is reality. So even if it's not true, if that is how a parent or a player is perceiving the situation, then it is true, even if it's not. I hope that makes sense. Perception is reality. So opening up that line of communication, figuring out what your players' thoughts are on the season or what they're expecting from the season. That's going to help you address issues, reduce drama, and overall just have a great season. I've had a couple of those. I'm not perfect, like I said, but I have had a couple of seasons where I was really on top of my communication game. The parents understood volleyball. If they didn't, I filled in the blanks. And a drama-free season is incredible. It really, it feels so good. You can have that too. Listen to this podcast again. Listen to the frustrations that parents have. Think about, does this apply to me? What can I do to address it? Again, it's going to come down to those four main areas that I talked about, which are communication, education, follow through, and at the end of the day, your conduct, making sure that you're doing things the right way. Whatever that means for you, that can be different for different coaches, different situations, but making sure that in all ways possible, you're doing the quote-unquote right thing. Thank you so much for all of the parents who submitted this feedback. I know I was a little bit critical of some of the responses. I hope you don't take it personally. I'm trying to use this information to better educate coaches, so I hope I interpreted your responses correctly. If the way that I took it isn't the way that you meant it, I hope it doesn't hurt your feelings. I was doing my best to apply it to general parents. So even though it's one person's response, I think there are a lot of people out there that would say similar things. Your feedback is helping improve coach, parent, and player relationships because you took the time to submit that one or two sentences through the Instagram story. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for taking the time to do that. I hope you all enjoyed this week's episode and I will see you next week.